In 2020, this brand did $135 million in revenue and had $6 million in EBITDA. Now, don't get me wrong. It's been around for more than a decade. It's been around for about 15 years. Um, in 2021, the brand did $171 million, so $40 million more, basically, than the previous year. They doubled their EBITDA to about $12 million. And the crazy part is this business is completely bootstrapped. And uh, you know, there was an article recently out that they were uh, trying to sell this business to Blackstone for a billion dollars, which is bananas. This is Limited Supply, the place for refreshingly real takes on what D2C is really like. We're your hosts, Nick and Moyes. Let's start talking about money. I don't take anything at face value. I need the data or I'm out. Tapcard is the real deal. Creating an app for your brand means more sales and they've got the stats to back that up. Go to tapcart.com slash limited and get two months free. This is season three, episode three of Limited Supply. A bunch of stuff to chat about today, Nick. Right before we started recording, we were talking about how we're both going to be at the Triple Whale event in Austin next week. No, it's this week, I think. It's the 31st. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this okay, week. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to try and record a couple episodes while we're out there together. Uh, we're going to reach out to a few guests, potential guests who might be great for this podcast uh, and see if we can record a couple next week. But before we get there and to the Whaleys, first, are you talking at the Whaleys? What are you talking about? I'm talking with Danny Duncan, who's a YouTuber and a uh, friend for, for a while. And I think we're just going to be chatting about he has a Shopify store that he's been running and just crushing with merch sales. So I think we're, I actually haven't FaceTimed him and seen what we're talking about. So I don't know, but something. It's like a Q&A between the two of you? Yeah, like a panel. Okay. Oh man, I love panels because you don't, are you asking the questions? Yeah, you must be asking the yeah. questions, right? Yeah, yeah. Love panels because if you're the guy on the other end, you don't have to prepare for one second. You're just like, nah. here I am. What do you <laughs> yeah. got for me? Uh, and I got to do this speech and, or I got to give a presentation and I, I don't really know what to do right now. Um. So I've been struggling with it. I've been listening to like the I have a dream speech to get inspired. And yeah. Unfortunately, MLK was did not talk. About I'll help you with it. At all. I'm pretty good at like <laughs> conference decks and, and talks. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we can I'd spin something up. Yeah. I would love that. Um, okay. I know I want to talk about Invanto today or Invato. I don't know really how to put it. Invato. Yeah. You want to talk about Tandem. Um, so let's uh, let me talk about Invato first, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Envato is a site that everyone who's ever used WordPress or WooCommerce knows, and I, I think nobody else knows it. And it, the reason that everyone who uses WordPress knows about it is because it's actually like the unofficial WordPress theme store. So Shopify has its app store. WordPress has Envato, which is a privately owned and completely divorced from WordPress. Like They're not actually related in any way, as far as I know. It's basically the, the site you go to if you want a theme for WordPress. If you want a theme to start a blog, you go to Envato. If you want to start a WooCommerce site and you're like, hey, I want a theme, you go to Envato and they're like, here's a bunch of WooCommerce uh, themes. And like the Shopify app store and the Shopify theme store, you know, you can go and preview the themes and what they'll look like before you actually sign up and download it. And they're like sorted by reviews. And so, you know, anything with under 500 reviews, you don't want because it's not going to be a stable theme. It's going to have a bunch of problems and a bunch of bugs. Like, you know, anyone can post anything. It's a marketplace. So the guys who own this thing have created a marketplace for people who write apps and for people who create themes and for people who create plugins for WooCommerce and WordPress. And on the other side, for merchants and stores and the whole nine yards. And that's how I discovered it. I actually bought a theme off of this. Like, you know, when I started Caskers back in 2012, 
I bought a theme off of this site. And so it was, that was more than a decade ago that I paid $45 for this theme. And unlike Shopify, there's no like renewals here. Once you buy something, you own this, the code and the theme and the plugin and all that kind of stuff forever. So it's not like you have monthly recurring fees. Like for instance, WooCommerce subscriptions, once you pay the $200 for WooCommerce subscriptions plugins, you won't get any updates after one year, but you never have to pay more than $200 again. You never have to pay a portion of your revenue, portion of your sales or any of that kind of stuff. All of the Shopify themes have that. WooCommerce doesn't have that. You don't have to pay a portion of anything, which is pretty awesome. And so I started using it. I downloaded a theme, you know, a decade ago to start Caskers. I th- downloaded a theme seven years ago called Shopkeeper to start Native. Uh, so those are both really old businesses, obviously. And the reason I wanted to get into it because I, recently I've been like, what is this business? It's like this garbage, bi- you know, they have a garbage site and a garbage back end and a garbage checkout process. Actually, if you're going to check out with a WooCommerce theme, you can only if you want to pay, you have to pay via like PayPal, and then they charge yeah. you an I'm, extra. I think I've only paid paid with PayPal. Yeah, they charge you like an extra processing fee because you're paying with PayPal. If you like, you know, they're like, oh, we're adding three percent of whatever your transaction is for PayPal, and you're like, nobody does this. You're supposed to eat that three percent, not yeah. me. And then if you want to pay via like, I think it was like American Express. I'm sorry. they don't. I think they only accept Visa and MasterCard. I don't think they accept American Express. You can only buy like a $25 or higher mm-hmm. gift card. You have to have a minimum. Yeah. So if you, if you want to buy something for $10, no, you've got to load $25, like a Starbucks gift card basically, and then uh, you know buy the item. And so I've been using them for over a year. They've got a couple other branches called like Photo Dune, where you can license a photo basically, like if you want to create a photo for some social media stuff. They've also got got one for like email templates. Like, you know, you can download an email template, play around with it in um, Photoshop, and then send out an email. So it's pretty great. I did all, when I was running native, I used to do this all with like uh, their, I download a, a template for like Thanksgiving and Christmas. And New Year's and it cost like five dollars for the template. It was so affordable. And then I, you know, I blasted out to a million people and I was like, the five dollars is so meaningless here. Anyway, we I was looking into the numbers. In 2020, this brand did $135 million in revenue and had six million dollars in EBITDA. Now, don't get me wrong, it's been around for more than a decade. It's been around for about 15 years. Um, in 2021, the brand did 171 million, so 40 million dollars more basically than the previous year. They doubled their EBITDA to about 12 million. And the crazy part is this business is completely bootstrapped. So some guys out there own this business that's generating 171 million dollars in revenue, 12 million in EBITDA. And uh, you know there was an article recently out that they were uh, trying to sell this business to Blackstone for a billion dollars, which is bananas. Isn't the profit insanely low for this type of business? You would imagine that this business has, like it's on the other end, it should be like a 75 to 90% margin business. Great question. I think first, that's a great question. And I think primarily it's because this is a market, like, you know, I don't think they do any advertising, <clears throat> but this is a marketplace. So they have $171 million, but I think that oh, revenue so is actually counting GMV. revenue. Yeah, they're it's counting GMV. revenues GMV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. But they do do other interesting things. Like they give away, I think, like 10% of profits to their employees and That's 1% awesome. to charity. So I think they do some interesting things like that as well. But I think their $171 million is total GMV before they get to like, you know, their own cut. I've also been a customer of Envato for probably since 2014, I think is when I first bought something. And uh, you can tell the site has always kind of been built by like nerds, never these like capitalistic focused investors who decided, you know, we got to double profits in any way. And it's always had such a nice touch to it. But I think this is a super underrated site. Everybody, you know, they have a theme for everything. You could go to 
under e-commerce and click Shopify. And, you know, there's Shopify themes here for $29 that look beautiful. And because it's a marketplace, like with any marketplace where you're selling, you know, somewhat of a commodity, the price just keeps going down and the quality keeps going up. And so you can get a, a really, really amazing theme here for a very low cost of money. The other thing too is like you can use this for anything, like you said, you can get photo templates. I've used it to buy decks, like a template for a deck that I need to make and and you just put that in and edit it up. But the, uh, the real thing that I love about Envato is because it's a marketplace, there's two things that the sellers always do. This is specific to WordPress, which is all the stuff, mainly all the stuff I've bought. They always have incredible support. So every developer, if you have questions about the theme and you write within the first 60 days of buying it, they're gunning for your review. Every review on this site matters a lot to every developer. And so they'll do anything to support. And the second thing they do, which is amazing, is they'll just give you demo content. So they'll give you a WordPress XML file, which is basically the file you can upload to just upload a bunch of content at once. So it's like, if you're migrating a site, you can just literally migrate all the content in one file. I mean, I don't know how to code for shit. And I don't think you do either. But I would just go in and, you know, there would be a whole site that populated and I would just go double click, you know, backspace, 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 and then write what I needed it to say versus trying to build these things from scratch. But it would have, you know, the demo site has like seven versions of a homepage, you know, 13 versions of like an article page. And uh, you can just quickly pick and choose. And literally you can get a site from nothing to buy the domain, set up hosting, and then add your theme and have a WordPress site within, you know, 30 minutes. The last time I did this, was for a site that I ideated called sheToldus.com. And the idea was, you know, I was moving into a new apartment. I'll just get free furniture and tell the brands like, yo, I'm going to write a story or write a review. You can drive traffic here and then it'll drive to your PDP. But I set this site up and it took me 30 minutes. I didn't really follow through on the rest of that promise. But did you get any free furniture or no? Yeah, yeah, free furniture. Co- a couple of things, wow. not really much. Nice. But. Okay. Um, first, I didn't realize you were so familiar with WooCommerce. That's crazy. I actually haven't done much WooCommerce, but WordPress, yeah. I've been doing WordPress since probably 2013. Okay, that's legit. And um, second, uh, I, I guess you're so right. Like when you were saying that, I was like, yeah, you're so right about being able to buy any type of theme here. Like, if you have a store that has, you know, 25,000 products, they have a theme for, you know, stores with huge catalogs and they have a theme for store with two products and they're like customized for that. They even have a theme for like to start your own Yelp because at first I, I, yeah. a, lo- a long time ago, I was like, I'm going to create a, a website. Like I'm going to create Yelp for 3PLs where all you do is rate your 3PL. So I was like, wow, I can do that. I, I bought a theme and I was like, wow. Instantly, you have Yelp. Like, uh, you know, you yeah. can do reviews. You know, people can log in, I'll leave a review. It makes it really easy. And I was like, great, I'm going to start a Yelp. And then I was like, I, I see everyone is only posting one star reviews of all of, of every 3PL. No one has ever had a good experience. I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. everyone is one star. This isn't going to be very helpful. It's like any subscription business that you look up reviews for on the BBB, it's just all one stars. I'm not sure if the BBB is like a real thing or like, you know, I, I'm not sure how. Honest, like I'm not sure if the BBB is another form of Yelp, which is pay them and you get an accreditation at the bottom and you're always an A plus. And if you don't pay them, you're <laughs> yeah. But I'm not. I don't know enough about the BBB. But um, like you know, I, I was like, wow, you can buy, you can create your own Yelp in 30 minutes. Like you don't need any assets. And you're right, the demo content. 
I never thought about it this way, but you're right. The demo content makes it so easy because like they immediately create a beautiful store and then all you have to do is change like the copy. You don't have to worry about text size or text format or should this be centered or not centered here? You're like the about us page, just change an image and like your name and what you wanted to say. But the design is already pre-formatted and that's pretty awesome. I think it's a wonderful site. I'm, uh, I'd be very sad to see it go to Blackstone because... I'm sure every price would triple and they'd be like, you know, yeah, if you want to use this, you have to pay us every week. Yeah, yeah. But it's an amazing job that these uh, people have done. It's owned by this Australian couple. I don't know if it's like another family member or something that like they sh- share the same last name. They- those guys own about 85% of the business. You know, they've got 600 employees. It's just an insane business. And I think nobody talks about it. Like it's a massively successful e-commerce marketplace for e-commerce merchants that sells digital assets and just remains under the radar all the time. The beauty with WordPress in general is there are just like a handful of plugins you can pretty much install for free. You remember Yoast SEO? Yeah, yeah, of course. Like there's just a handful of things you can put in and they're completely free. They will never break. Like it'll just never break. I don't think WordPress has ever gone down on me. And especially if you use a server like WP Engine for hosting, yeah, you are almost like fast. unstoppable with page speed and like making sure your site never goes down. It is really incredible. I mean, to be clear, the Woo com- like Word WooCommerce is built on WordPress. It's actually a plugin to WordPress. It's also free and like you know just doesn't go down. And I remember actually like when we were scaling native and we were on WordPress, we would scale it. And like at some point when we started sending out emails, like we didn't have the servers. We had bought our own server and installed it in New Jersey because <laughs> I was like, the server costs $5,000 and then like $80 to rent this place uh, per month. So it's pretty cheap. But like when we, whenever we'd send out an email, we would crash the site because, you know, we'd have 100,000 people go- coming to the site at one time or like yeah. not 100,000, but 10,000 people. And that was a disaster. So we had to like start spacing out the emails. We're like, slow send this thing on Clavio. We're like, don't crash the site until yeah. we like uh, we bought another server and then ultimately switched to AWS. But um, I thought it was really amazing uh, what these guys can do. I feel like it's not talked about enough. Yeah, fully agreed. Let's switch gears to Tandem. Tell me what Tandem is because you you put it on the agenda and I didn't really know about it until I started looking it up. All right. Do you know how big the market cap of American Airlines is? No, I don't. Okay. Well, it says on the sheet $6 billion. So I'm going to guess $6 yeah. billion. Dollars. So $6 billion. <laughs> now, the market cap of American Airlines' loyalty program is $26 billion. Yeah, it's almost five times bigger than the actual you know business that the bank is built on. So, yeah, a few years ago, I bought this like Google phone, the Pixel, mainly just to like play with it and see how sites load on it. I think I was also just bored and thought it would entertain me. <laughs> so I bought it, and immediately it was like you know it was probably three four hundred bucks. It gave me the option to not pay it all now, just like pay. basically paid in installments. And basically what they do is they will open up a credit card in your name under this company called Synchrony Bank, which also does the credit cards for PayPal and a few other buy now, pay later type solutions. So I got like, I think it was a $1,500 line of credit in the Google card and it'll use the amount of the purchase and then it'll just bring it back. You know, you basically pay it off over time uh, without a fee. So then I started thinking, you know, I wonder like, why couldn't Native have a credit card? 
where instead of all these banks getting the percentage, that's percentage off of gross revenue too, not even net revenue. And so, you know, like how could a company like Native, high frequency of purchase, somewhat habitual, take advantage of just the money that credit cards print? And, you know, the credit card processing fee that you that a merchant pays, 2.9% or whatever it is, that is like just straight cake for these credit card companies. So it gets broken out into basically three different fees. There's the payment processing fee, which is set by, you know, whoever's processing your card. So Stripe or Square or Chase, whatever you use to actually process. There's the assessment fee, which goes to the network. So if you swipe a Capital One card, for example, it'll go to Visa. This goes straight to the network. Their job is like network protection and basically making sure that, you know, things are secure. And that ranges anywhere from 0.13% to 0.15% on the higher end. The higher end is always Amex. Then there's the last fee, which is the biggest part of it, which is the uh, interchange fee. And so this is basically 1.5%, which is the lowest for Visa and MasterCard, up to 3.3% with Amex. And this is where all your loyalty programs are made. Or the credit card itself, whether it's Parker or Brex or American Express, this is where they keep the uh, the issuer keeps all the, the percentage. So this is how, for example, Parker, they'll say, you know, we'll extend your payment term 60 days. No problem. You'll pay us in 60 days, but we're going to pocket, let's say, 2% of your million dollars in ad spend on Facebook. It's like a brilliant business. So anyways, all these companies are paying massive credit card fees, even to your point where like, you know, Envato says, we're not going to pay this. You're going to pay this if you're going to pay with a card, right? And so this company Tandem got on my radar last year. And basically it's this woman named Jennifer Glassby. She was basically leading this program at Capital One. They were the back end of the branded credit card for companies like a Kate Spade or Macy's, for example. So those are essentially, you know, it's not Macy's building the bank. They just leverage the technology of Capital One. And, you know, it's great for the companies because they get a better repeat purchase rate. You know, consumers tend to spend a little bit more, like 10 to 15% more in AOV. And um, they're also making some money along the way. So she said, you know, most of these companies, like to work with a Synchrony Bank or Capital One for these branded cards, you have to be a business doing over... $10 $10 billion usually, or you have to have, you know, you have to have a market cap of, of over $10 billion. And then the next tier down is like, you know, you have to have a billion to 10 billion. And so all these small businesses, or, you know, not even that small businesses, even multi hundred million dollar businesses don't get the advantage of, you know, having a credit card through one of these other platforms. And so she built this platform called Tandem, which I thought was really cool for a couple reasons. But there are, I think, one or two things that, don't make sense. So it's cool because instead of paying like 3% for a swipe, you now pay 0.5%, which is basically like the, just the tandem fee. There is no middleman. There's no interchange fee, assessment fee, et cetera. The second piece that's really cool is like you can build this into a loyalty program where you can now reward your customers with cash back. It's essentially like the Costco model. Costco gives you, I think it's 2% cash back for the executive plan. And, um, you know, every, like, you know, this, every Brown parent says, no, we're going to get it from Costco. It's cash back. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so, so there's, there's a lot of benefits there where I think it, 
might not work, uh, but I hope it does because I invested, is you can only use the Tandem credit card right now on the Tandem network, which means like if Native has it, you can use it at Native. And if another company has it, let's say you want to buy Buck Mason t-shirts and they have it, you can use it there. Um, but other than that, you don't necessarily get the benefits. Yeah, that's really tough because it's basically like a gas card. You can only use it at that, that gas station. You can't use it at uh, the grocery store as well. It's exclusive. And I think those gas cards have sort of went the way of the dinosaur. Like, um, you know, when we owned gas stations, I remember we, we owned a Sitco gas station. And for a while, 10% of consumers or 15% of consumers would have a Sitco gas ca- uh, card. But by the time, uh, like, our gas stations were slowing down. The The number of people who had a Sitco branded gas card went down significantly. And everyone was sort of like, I use this visa everywhere I go. I don't have a specific card for a specific brand. So I think that's tough. Like, is it an uphill battle? I mean, you mentioned you're an investor. I, I'm not an investor. Is it an uphill battle to get a bunch of, like, you know, if we launched a native, first, if I were CEO of native, I would never launch that because I'd just be like, I don't love loyalty programs when it comes to e-commerce businesses just because I think they're a little gimmicky. I'm like, you know, I get airlines. Airlines, everyone's like, look, I want to travel. I want to save, uh, like, this is thousands of dollars when I travel or hundreds of dollars at least. And so I want to save money. And I was like, what are we going to get people? We're going to say, buy a coconut travel size deodorant today and get four extra points. I'm like, I don't want to, <laughs> yeah. like, look, this is horse. Like, I didn't like that, like, type of um, monotony. Although today, you know, Native does have that program. I guess, is it hard to get people to sign up if the you know, service is exclusive basically to you? So if you're Casper Mattresses and you launch a tandem card, it's exclusive to Casper Mattresses or a couple other stores? That's a good question that I didn't ask. She did say that the adoption for customers that got a card went up about 15%. So they were reordering 15% more. More frequently, um, yeah. Okay, yeah, which makes sense. I was looking at one of my portfolio company's Stripe accounts while you were talking about interchange and stuff. And basically, they did a million dollars in revenue last month, give or take. And their network, so like, you know, they use interchange with Stripe. Their network costs on Stripe were $28,000. And that's basically the interchange fees were, you know, $28,000. And then the Stripe fees were about $4,000, give or take some, a couple hundred dollars here or there. So $28,000 network fees, $4,000 Stripe fees on uh, a little over a million dollars in revenue for the month. So how does that work? Like the interchange fees go to Capital One and like the Stripe fees go straight to Stripe. The interchange fees goes a little bit to Capital One, a little bit to Visa. Is that how it works? So the assessment fee goes to the network. You know, there's four main networks. I think it's MasterCard, Visa, Amex, and maybe Discover. And then the interchange fee goes to the card. So, you know, if you swipe your card, your interchange fee goes to American Express. If somebody else uses a Capital One, it'll go to Capital One. If you use Parker, it goes to Parker. And so basically goes to whoever issues the card. So of this 28,000, I guess, I'm not sure if you know this, but like, okay, so basically some portion of the fee goes to Visa, Amex, MasterCard, or Discover, and some portion goes to Capital One, whoever the guy is who got this guy to sign on. What percentage goes to Parker or Capital One? Any idea? Of the interchange fee? Yeah. Or of the total? So the fee that you see probably includes assessment and interchange. So the assessment fee on average maxes out at 0.15%. 
of okay, the that would be the value. amount that goes to Parker. Point one. No, no, no. That would be the amount going to the network. So if Parker, I don't know what they're on. Are they on Visa or Mastercard? That would go to one of them. The interchange fee is one point five to three point three. So they're probably around like my guess is they're around two. So two percent would go to Parker. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's why it's a crazy business. Wow. And it's just about like signing up. You know, I mean, they hit it right with getting Facebook advertisers. If you're spending a million dollars a month on Facebook and you're yeah. using their card and you're getting 60 days, all they have to do is make sure that they just got 60 days of float behind them. And yeah. let's say they pay you yeah, know, their cost 10% on the 60 little. days. Right. It's, yeah. it's like an arbitrage between the two. That's bananas. Yeah. You can't argue with the data. So here's some for you. Two months after streetwear brand Rip and Dip launched their app with Tap Cart, their total sales increased 53.2% and then another 43% the next month. Apps make your customers stickier. They appeal to your diehard fans and keep them coming back. It's as simple as that. Tap Cart can build your mobile e-commerce app in two weeks, not months. Go to tapcart.com slash limited and get two months free. Now, the other interesting business out of this too is... Plastic. You know that company Plastic where you can char- you can pay wires or ACH with a credit card. So I think they charge 3.15%, something like that. And so they're probably taking about half a point on every transaction as well. It's like out of thin air money. Like credit card money just comes out of thin air. I feel like it always comes out of my mer- the merchant pocket. Like it's, yeah, like it's for coming sure. out of my pocket actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, the crazy part is how like if you really get into this, there are so many loopholes. So like um, cash back on credit cards generally is like tax free. I'm not sure. Like I I think it's supposed I think it's income tax free and I think it's supposed to be income tax free. But even if it's not supposed to be, I feel like no one declares it as income. If you're going to plastic, right, and using your credit card to pay for a wire transfer. okay, that means that uh, you're paying a 3% fee, right? Right. That 3% fee is tax deductible because that's a fee that you're incurring as a cost of doing business. And so let's say you're paying 33% oh, wow. in taxes, right? You've got a tax deduction of the $3. Let's say you paid a $100 wire transfer and you paid $3 in plastic fees. $1 of that plastic fee is tax deductible if you're paying a 33% income tax. So now you've only paid $2 in fees because the other dollar was uh, you know, written off your of your income. And you can go get a credit card that pays you more than 2% in rebates. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you can get a credit card that pays you 2.675% cash back. And now that 0.675% is tax-free income. And, you know, you can put it in your personal pocket. And so now all of a sudden you've got a tax deduction for your business and you've actually arbitraged that opportunity. It's a tax deduction. You know, you get a 3% tax deduction. Those $3 are tax deductible, bringing your cost down to $2. You got $2.67 in rebates, which means that you're up 67 cents. And that $2.67 can actually put in, be put into your personal pocket as opposed to the business pocket. So you've also moved cash from your business to yourself personally without paying any income. You know, there's no laws around this. It's the wild west of inc- it's like the you know crypto of dollars is credit card rewards. Also, the people who probably make the laws don't want to change them. Yeah, yeah. In fact, there was a law <laughs> that recently got passed that said um, now senators and congressmen can uh, book travel on their personal card and get reimbursed from the federal government so that they can get their oh, own points. Wow, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, that is wild. There's actually a company I was thinking in my head, why don't why don't we start a credit card? Who better to go get 
cash back than us. And there's actually a company called Zurp, Z-U-R-P.com, that has not launched yet, but they're basically creatorifying the credit card process. So we can have a limited supply credit card and people who get a, a line of credit and then spend will keep uh, probably like half a percent or something. Another interesting thing as a loophole, somebody just sent this to me today. If you're a pre-seed or a seed stage company based in New York and you raise between 50 to 250K or you've raised 2 million or less of prior funding, you can get a 100% match from the state of New York and they will own no equity. Repeat the numbers again so that uh, I can move to New York and get it. Yeah. So if we if we start Limited Supply Merch LLC. Yeah. Let's say we raise 250K from Moise Ali Ventures. We can get the state to match 250K and go start our business. And the state of New York is doing that up to 250K to $2 million? No, no, no. It's it's 50 to 250K. You have oh, to have gosh. raised less than 2 million before. What are the other restrictions? Because I actually have 400 businesses that are going to be incorporated <laughs> tomorrow. We're about to They've start. They each raised 250K from <laughs> Moise Ali Ventures. Uh, <laughs> is there is there a, uh, you know, on Upwork, I'm going to be like, who can fill out all of these applications for <laughs> yeah. me? Business one, Moise Ali one, LLC. Business two, Moise Ali two, LLC. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever gone through the process of Stripe Atlas? No, I haven't. I don't know how they have not spent more money on marketing Stripe Atlas, but it costs $500 and they will set you up with an LLC or a C-Corp, all the filing, all the paperwork, articles of incorporation, start to finish. And then you take that document, you set up a Mercury account, which takes 30 seconds, and you can have a a LLC or a C-Corp launched in 48 hours. I don't understand how Stripe consistently does this kind of stuff. Like they're still the only guys that you can go to to immediately create a merch. You want to start processing credit cards today and you're on WooCommerce, you can only go to Stripe. Everyone else is like, hey, we need your bank account information. We need to do all this other stuff. Stripe is like, here you go. Start uh, charging some cards. I don't know how they're the only guys who have figured this kind of stuff out. Yeah. I only saw this on Twitter like two moments ago, right before we were about to record. But supposedly, like they signed some deep contract with Amazon, where Amazon is now going to process even more of their credit cards through Stripe. Uh, I don't know the details uh, because it just happened. It just got announced like two minutes ago, but it's pretty incredible. Wow, that'll skyrocket their their valuation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope you're right about that. I think, like, you know, I used to listen to, I haven't listened to All In for a while, but I used to listen to All In podcast and I, like Chamath beeped out a name and he's like, someone offered me beeped out name uh, company, which is a darling in Silicon Valley for I remember 40% that off. And I'm waiting for it to be 60% off. And I was like, do you mean Stripe? And if so, I would like to purchase that because I'm a big believer in what they're doing. They're just, they just seem to have solutions to real problems and there seem, it seems to be frictionless. Yeah, fully agreed. All right, which one of these topics should we talk about next? Let's talk a little bit about P&G sales volume. Actually, I'd love to chat about this. I, I wrote a tweet about this because uh, they just announced earnings for their fiscal year ends June 30th. So this is like their Q2, about uh, like, you know, it's Q4 calendar. So basically the last, ca- the last three months of 2022, their sales volume was down across the board. Sales volume was down 6% overall. And the big drops were, I think, in like grooming, where sales volume was down 8%. Beauty sales volume was down 4%. 
fabric sales volume was down 7%. These are massive businesses for volume to be down that much. And generally, like, you know, they keep up with inflation or at least, uh, you know, do better than than the market. So sales volume falling that much is huge. So volume was down on average 6% across the entire company, but they increased their prices 10% across the entire company. So, like, um, you know, their beauty increased prices by 9%, grooming by 11%, and fabric hair, which basically means tied and gain by 13%. So, tied prices are up, you know, 13% a year or like a, more than 10% from a year ago, which is a lot because tied is already pretty expensive. Yeah. Uh, beauty is up 10% from a year ago, which is, again, a lot. And really, the beauty division for a long time was led by this brand that's big in Asia, but not so big in the United States called SK2. And that's seen some sales volume decline just based on what the 10Ks and 10Qs say uh, that I've been reading. So overall, their sales are up, but that's be- even though volume is down, prices are up so much that their overall revenue is up still, which I think is bananas. Like, you know, sales volume is down 13%, but they or sales volume for fabric hair is down 7%. They made up for it by increasing prices 13%. This is a dumb question. Does that kind of balance it out then to zero? It does better than that. It shows growth. Like, uh, cause basically if like, uh, sales are down 1%, if the number of units you sell falls 1%, but your prices go up 10%, you actually see growth. So organic sales are actually up. But like, you know, the problem is how much longer can they be up? Like, you know, I'm sure someone is thinking inside the organization. If sales continue to fall, if the number of units continues to go down, we can't just consistently raise prices by 10% year over year to make up for it. At some point, someone's going to be like, I'm not going to pay $40 for this uh, you know, box of Tide. Like That's too expensive. And so um, I think that like, you know, somebody there has got to be like, hey, how do we get sales volume up? And like, the scary part is sales volume was down across every single category. It's not like, okay, you know what? In beauty, we were selling more units, but in fabric care, we were selling fewer units. Or in grooming, which is like Gillette, Gillette sold fewer units, but you know what sold more is Pampers. That's not what it was. Everybody sold fewer units last last quarter than they had a pre, uh, the year before, although they raised prices so much it made up for it. So sales volume is still up. Would you say that's a recession thing or it's just there's more competition eating at their ankles? I think personally, it's more of a recession thing where they're like, we have to raise prices a ton. Uh, like, you know, who's the next Tide? I'm not sure who the next Tide uh, is. Yeah, I don't know. In my mind, maybe like True Earth, but True that's Earth. Uh, that's like Eco yeah. Strip. Yeah. Mrs. Myers, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I use Mrs. Mrs. Myers. Myers. Okay, gotcha. But that's SC Johnson, I think. Mrs. Myers is SC Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is. Uh, yeah, I just don't know who, like, it's not Method. Like, for a while, everyone thought it would be Method. It, it isn't. And I think it, it's really hard to know who the next guy, like, who the up-and-comer is. But sales volume going down that much is a lot. Like, you know, sales volume for beauty going down 4%. People buying fewer sticks of deodorant. Why would people be buying fewer sticks of deodorant? Are people buying fewer jars of Olay? Like, why would they be doing that? Like, what's the problem where it's down across every single category in the entire organization? Like, this organization spans from paper towels to diapers to laundry detergent to deodorant to skincare to, uh, you know, Swiffer. How is it that every single thing is, like, you know, every single category is down? And that's got to be a little bit scary for them. Totally. Huh. What's your take on it? I think prices have gotten really high. Like, you know, I don't follow every category, but like, you know, when I look at native deodorant now and I'm like, okay, it's $13. That seems super high to me. 
And I priced it at 12 and at $13, it seems super high to me. And Tide is, ex- you know, like one of the reasons I grew a beard seven years ago was because I was like, you know what I can't keep affording is Gillette razor blades. <laughs> yeah. uh, like this They're is like too $60. expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, th- this is a separate line item on my personal budget of like shaving. You know, I was like, I can't, I can't afford to buy. And that's why they're kept in those, you know, safes at Kroger, right? Like if you want to go to, if you want to go to a Kroger and buy a Gillette razor blade, they use a time lock safe. They enter a code and they're like, come back in 15 minutes. The safe will open. We can give you one, a pack of these. Like, you know, it's, they, they have like Wells Fargo come and deliver them with a guy with a gun delivers <laughs> Gillette razor blades. The uh, armored Gillette truck. Yeah, exactly. And so I think part of it is that like, it's just too, too expensive. But curious to see like how other guys, you know, SC Johnson is a privately held company, but I'm curious to see how other guys report in the next coming months. Like I think Honest is coming out in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious to see how Honest does um, in terms of their sales. Yeah, agreed. Across your portfolio companies, are you seeing growth? Are you see, like, you know, how, how was Q4? How is January shaping up? We're, you know, two thirds of the way done with January. It's a lot slower growth. It's still growth, but it's much slower than where it was like, you know, um, few years ago and kind of took me a second to get used to with the investor updates. Cause it was like, we only grew a little bit, but we didn't lose money and we, you know, we figured things out. So it's actually good. I think it's actually great. I think it forces a lot of people to also just be smart in where they're spending, even as it relates to hiring, right? If you're going to hire, you know, if we were in like a total bull market and you needed to build a creative team, you might hire like seven people out of which, you know, five people are kind of working at 50% capacity. But, you know, now you're hiring two people and not only do they know how to design and also get into Final Cut Pro, but they also know how to go into Ads Manager and read the data and understand what works and then go back to to Final Cut. And so I think it's also forcing like a, um, a stronger candidate that comes into roles nowadays too, where you're getting people who are, more like Swiss army knives versus like a pocket knife. Are there good places where there's like e-commerce job boards that you look at? Like I want to hire us a guy who knows Final Cut Pro and then knows how to get into ads manager and read the data and be like, hey, this is what's working and this is what's not. Are there good e-commerce job boards or is that, is that a $10 million idea that's on the uh, table right now? I don't know of one that exists. Honestly, we should start one and just pool. Like people should submit. Both companies should submit roles they're hiring for but there's probably a lot of people who are listening who are looking to um, find something new that's like, you know, without us blowing their cover. And I bet we could help companies find candidates as well. What I've been doing lately, which has actually been working in my favor, is instead of a job description that has a bunch of responsibilities listed out, it basically says, here are all the results that you need to have done by the end of this quarter or like here are the results that pertain to your role so you know it might be like you know we have to have x amount of dollars in revenue at the end of the first quarter or you know we need to reach out and seed 25 creators to generate you know 200 pieces of content every quarter and then from there just telling people all right here's here's the role you can take it or leave it if you want it apply your name and like why, you know, why you should basically actually apply with your name and email. Tell me what you've done before that qualifies you to make me think that you can do this. Wow. Okay. So you're basically giving a KPI that you're looking for at the, like their quarterly performance review. You're like, this is how you're going to be a standout star, which is you've done this. Okay. Gotcha. 
Yeah, it's worked phenomenally. I've been doing it for probably like a month and a half now. Wow. Okay, great. Yeah, you know, uh, Sam Parr did this one thing. I forgot when it was. And he's like, um, he's like, here are five people that I know that are single that you everyone should date. And yeah, I remember um, that. let me tell you who they are. And I remember one was this guy, Ramon. Have you met Ramon, by the way? Is he the one that has Alpha Paw? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love his story. I haven't met him, though. Okay, he's in Austin. So when we're at the Whaley's, we should uh, hang out with him. Yeah, He'll be like, um, let's go boxing. And I'll be like, okay, great. Are we going to rumble? He's like, no, we're going to box each other. And I'm like, are you joking? And he's like, no, I'm going to hit you in the head. Uh, And I'm like, okay, I quit. Like, I surrender immediately. And he used to be like an MMA fighter. So he's like, let's go fight. Uh, for real. like, And he's like, I love fighting. And I'm like, are you crazy? You can't do this. You got a kid. And he's like, yeah, no, I love fighting. Uh, but in any case, you know, I remember he was on that list. If five people DM us, I think we should do the same thing and be like, you know, this isn't going to be under the radar, certainly. But if you're a great candidate and you're looking for a new role, DM me or DM Nick. And if we get five good people, I'll create a thread and I'll be like, here are five people in the community looking for um, a good role. Yeah. Agreed. Let me switch gears one more time and talk about the Triple Whale event, Yeah, because I've been struggling about what to talk about. Like, I'm trying to give not the native stump speech, which is how I built native. And then I'm like, this is the only thing I can talk about. You were saying, what else should I talk about? I was like, okay, let me talk about how I built native, what I've been up to afterwards, what's going on in the e-commerce community. Is that a good uh, prompt or does that suck? The audience here, from what I know, is basically a bunch of people like us, just nerds who are looking to soak in soaking nuggets so didn't you buy a few brands recently you bought that cleaning brand yeah. and then you yep, bought a couple yep, others yep, right yep you could this is what i think would actually be pretty interesting if you just talked about so you did native that's great yeah. and everybody knows native yeah and also native had an office native had this and that all the bells and whistles right but now you have <laughs> I love that an office is bells and whistles. <laughs> it is the bells and whistles. You, you had a desk? You had a desk? Fuck, <laughs> yeah. you are you you're extravagant over there. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it would be cool for you to talk about, like, how, how big is your operational team that, like, yeah. runs your brands today? So one, I think you should talk about that. You should talk about what their roles are. Because a lot of people are, a lot of people are either, like, one or the other. They're either, like, I'm all in in this company and I'm working super hard. Or it's like, no, this is a nine to five, like five o'clock, I'm off the clock. My weekends are my personal time. And both are okay in in different scenarios. But I think it would be interesting for you to talk through like, what are their personalities? Like, why are they a good fit for you, somebody who probably hates meetings, loves a clear calendar, uh, running, let's say three brands at any given time? Like, who are those people? And how does that whole operation work? I think that would be a cool talk. I think I can add that as part of the talk. You're right. I love people who don't want meetings. And it, like the answer is I hire people who are so independent. You know, I expect no calls or emails ever. Other, and <laughs> yeah. like, maybe like an annual. In fact, I have access to like revenue reports. So I'm just like, I don't need anything from you. I can right. look at your revenue. I, I can look at your, I, I can understand EBITDA, uh, share the P&L at the end of the month and uh, don't ever talk to me again. <laughs> and you know, you're, the benefit for you is you will also never talk to me again. Like you don't have to deal with a boss. You're basically right. your own person in every single respect. If things aren't going well, you know, you're accountable to yourself. But that's an interesting conversation. And I think I can talk about that a little bit in part, like also how to compensate people. Because uh, for a long time, I didn't understand how to compensate people, especially senior le- level executives. And now I think I'm doing a better job of that. What else were you thinking of talking about? 
what I've been up to today, the challenges the e-commerce community has faced, like from iOS 14 and a half to a bunch, like, you know, to container costs, a bunch of just other challenges. And also yeah. like how to think about exits and how to think about like, uh, what do you do afterwards? Like, you know, a bunch of the calls I take now are people who are like, look, my business is generating $2 million in EBITDA a year. I don't know what to do with this money. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's working. What do I do with money? Like now that I'm earning it, I'm earning more than I can spend, even though I've lived a very good lifestyle. So what should I do with it? Uh, and so I wasn't going to go into like, you know, how to invest money, but sort of how to think about life outside of your business. Cause I feel like now I've had a chance to do that. But it's hard, you know, I live in my own bubble. It's just like, I think we all do. So it's hard for me to know whether that bubble translates into other people's bubbles or they're just like, go fuck yourself, boys. Like, I don't want to hear about all these problems you've got. Yeah, you could also talk about how hard it was to find an Airbnb under $25,000 that was reasonable to live in. It was impossible, actually. <laughs> that's I, that's why I left New York. Like, I, I don't live in New York anymore because that doesn't, like, I couldn't do that. I couldn't make that happen, which sounds ridiculous. I went, like... um I hosted this event with Parker at Nobu Malibu this last week on Thursday. I wish you'd been able to come. It was so no. much fun. And the Parker CEO and I, uh, his name's Yassim, we were both just talking about how hard it was to find a place in New York. And so we both rented Blue Grounds. Are you familiar with Blue Ground? No. There's an apartment building in New York City, and you rent a 400 square foot a furnished apartment that's a one bedroom where, you know, from your bedroom, you can basically flush the toilet. From your bed, you can be lying in bed and flush the toilet without having to get up. And, you know, it's like $17,000 a month. And for several Jeez. months, I was paying $17,000 a month and basically sleeping right next to my toilet. And that was the best thing I could find. I think things have gotten a little bit better since COVID is sort of relaxed and people are more open to travel, but I'm not positive. It's yeah. insane. Damn. Anyway, okay, so next week, first, super excited about the whaleys. Uh, next week, I'm going to try and set up some interviews um, and, and let's record and we'll find some great guests uh, to record with. Perfect. Awesome. That's it for episode three. Uh, cool. Please join us. Episode four and five sound like they're going to be live. Um, so I'm excited about those too. Boom. We're out. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next time to cut through the noise in CPG, retail, and e-commerce. And if you enjoyed this episode, then why not share it with a friend? And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss the next one.